everybody. Welcome back to the Rantown Riot. We're really excited to give you an update in the sports world in the current week. It's been a great week in basketball as we had a Game 7 in the Western Conference between the Golden State Warriors and the Oklahoma City Thunder. And man, this series had everything you possibly wanted in a basketball series, in my opinion. You had stars galore. You had stars shining in the brightest moments. You had controversy. You had... Just overall drama constantly throughout the entire series. And ultimately what happened was it went to Game 7. Oklahoma City had a 3-1 lead in the series, however. And Golden State stormed back. And in Game 7, they won it on their home floor. So let's just get some fresh. Your initial reaction, your, your what do you think about this series? Go ahead, Bob. This just seems like a team of destiny to me. These Golden State Warriors just seem like a team that has been destined to win this championship since the beginning of the season. That's it. They've been on a roll. I've got a ton of confidence in them. What do you think, Tom? I'm going to go ahead and disagree with the fact that this was a great series, being that, what, three of the, these games were blowouts? Total blowouts. I mean, yes, there was drama. Yes, games six and seven were fantastic. But I feel like some of those games were totally unwatchable. You're right on that. Some of the games are blow, blowouts. But you know what's weird is when you have all these sports moments, you always remember the last games. You don't remember the beginning, right? You don't remember what happened in game two a lot of times. You remember what happened in game seven. So granted that game four was a blowout. Oklahoma City crushed the Warriors. Warriors crushed Oklahoma City in game two. But game six and seven were so, really close and they're really exciting and also just the drama between Draymond Green and the nut shot between Westbrook taking shots at Curry the entire series and just overall I thought it was so compelling it was an amazing series I feel like in the NBA uh, the way that it's set up with the seven game series each game adds to the drama so the fact that one of them might be a blowout and like one team takes a hit one one game, the next team takes a hit another game, and it looks like one team's got the other one figured out, and then they have to bounce back and come back the next. Like as an entire series, I would say absolutely incredible. It's not it's not similar to like uh, like in the NFL playoffs. If each game is a blowout, it's really disappointing because you need that excitement out of one game. But when you stretch that excitement across a week and a half. It add, it just adds so much, um, what would be a word? It's so compelling. Intrigue. Like, yeah, it, it's, uh, it, it is intriguing to, to see. Like, I don't, I don't think at any point after any one of those blowouts was I convinced that the next game was going to go that same, that same way. That's true. I was still intrigued after the two straight blowouts by OKC. OKC blew them out in Game 3 and Game 4, and I was still thinking... In the back of my mind, Warriors are going to win the next one. And I was thinking Warriors are going to come back 3-1 uh, from this 3-1 deficit. Raymer kept asking me to watch all these games with him. And part of the reason why I didn't is because I hate the Warriors. And I hate watching Raymer celebrate when they're playing so well. And I knew it was going to happen. And it did happen. Watching that fourth quarter by Clay Thompson in game six, which is one of the most classic NBA games in recent memory. I I don't know. I I would have just hated watching that game so much with Raymer. It was uh, it was amazing, right? And just to recap for our listeners who didn't happen to see Game Six, Clay Thompson goes off for forty one points. He sets the NBA record in the playoffs with eleven threes made. But the weird part about his game was really the first half he was good, but he wasn't great. When that fourth quarter comes around, he was incredible. He was making shots that nobody else in the league takes. Maybe Curry, his only other person that takes these shots, are, is, is his teammate. And he was pulling up from five feet from the NBA line with a hand in his face and draining threes. I think he went five for five in that quarter from three. And he made six. Six. Six oh, in the fourth quarter. Okay. It, was, it was so spectacular. And however, the Thunder had to lead the entire fourth quarter until the end. And then Curry started turning it on in the last two minutes and hit a couple of threes. And it was just so amazing to see the Warriors take the game. That's my take. I'll see what you guys take. A lot of people are saying in game six that the Thunder choked. Westbrook, Durant choked and all these. But in my opinion, the Warriors took it. 
They were making shots that normal people don't, normal NBA players, even normal stars in the NBA don't make. It seems to me like your take on Klay Thompson just seems to be who Klay Thompson is. Like, most of the time he's good, and then sometimes he's incredible. You know, like, like uh, he's not a guy that comes out and is incredible every single game. Most of the time he's a good player, and then once in a while... He absolutely blows up and goes on fire, and he's the best player in the world. But, Most of the time, he's an all-star. Yeah, but not. Uh, but he's not like. It, is he as dynamic as some of these other all-stars that that we're talking about him in the conversation? Does he bring it the same way that these other guys do every night? Is a team led by Clay Thompson the same as a team that's led by these other all-stars that like guys that guys that have to carry their team every single night which is something that he doesn't have the responsibility for like how how strong is that team in comparison to a team that's led by uh Jimmy Butler or a team that's led by James Harden I think you put Klay Thompson in those roles you'll see what happens he has to play under Curry or behind Curry better that's not under Curry behind Curry who is the biggest star in the NBA right now and so he kind of he is a great teammate. He steps back in his role. However, when Curry was out in these playoffs, he was the star of that team. He was great, and he still played great in these Western Conference fights. Played great this whole playoffs. So how to say how he would be with Jimmy Butler? How he'd be in James Harden position? We don't know. He's improved his overall game so much, and he not to mention he is one of the best defenders in the guard position in the game. He is also. When you say the one, second best in the league at the most valuable shot in the league. I mean, it's that the three-point shot is becoming more and more important as time goes on and he is if if Steph Curry didn't exist, he'd be the best in the world at it. Exactly. When you say he's the second best, does that mean he shoots the second best percentage? Or would you say just by volume he made the most cuz is it not a, a part of a system that the Golden State Warriors have set up that they shoot that they play at a very high pace and they shoot a lot of three point shots. He's the shots. second best NBA three point shooter in the league. By, I would take him by volume. A, I'm not by percentage, he's not, but I, he's taking more difficult shots than than other people. And but, he made I mean, the second most in the league this year on difficult shots, and his percentage is pretty darn good. It's in the top ten. I'm just guessing that. I'm just in, definitely in the top ten percentage. I'm guessing maybe top. I agree. Six. I agree. I, I think. I think he's an incredible shooter. But uh, there's a, there's a lot of incredible shooters that maybe don't have a lot of the same luxuries that he has because they can't get off their shots like he can. He has way quicker release than a lot of your shooters. I'm just guessing you're talking about. He he puts himself in position. He's great coming off screens. He puts himself in position to make and take these threes. So that's a part of so the game. So how though. is it? Is it not? A, is it not a part of the Warriors' entire system? That that they're set up, they take more threes than other teams, and 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 so he gets credit for for being um, something that a lot of other guys don't, but they don't get a, they don't get the luxury of being in that system. You're right, but how are you gonna say these other players when they haven't done it? So it's hard to argue something they have no factual proof behind. Well, there. So so then the on, the only statistic that we're looking at when we say who's the best three point shooter is who makes the most shots. So then we could say who's the best shooter uh, from the 2000s. We could say Allen Iverson's the best shooter from the 2000s. He made the most shots. But the, no, but his field goal percentage, it's kind of what the eyeball tells you too, right? You was, watch tons of basketball. You watch this. You understand who's a great shooter. J.J. Redick made close to 50% of his threes this year. He, he shot in, at the highest percentage he's in the in league. The converse, he's in the conversation. I agree. I, he's and, a, I'm not arguing with J.J. Redick. But I'm saying Clay Thompson, so the threes he takes and makes – on a consistent basis all year long, puts him, in the, my opinion, the second best shooter in the league. J.J. Redick, you can make an argument I, for I, I, I don't say that, that he uh, doesn't deserve to be in the conversation, but I also wouldn't say that he definitively gets to have stake to and claim on the second best shooter in the league, in my opinion. Right. I, don't know, I don't know where you stand on it, Thomas. I don't know. Uh, I mean, I just think... I think it'd be interesting, Matt, if we broke down while we're talking about Warriors and Thunder, if you would break down some of the efficiency numbers from the series that you pulled up here. All right, so I was really curious, because I'm a sports nerd, as the Thunder went up in the series 3-1, so the Warriors had their back against the wall, the Thunder looked like they are ready to step on the throat of the defending champs. What are the efficiency numbers of the biggest stars in the game, right? So I was comparing... Steph Curry, Klay Thompson for the Warriors, 
against Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook for the Thunder. And so how I broke this down is I did the, their field goal percentage for each game, the three-point percentage, and takes, so how many field goals they take, and free throws and overall points. And I broke it down for game five, six, and seven. So game five, so this is when the Warriors won at home. Steph Curry and Klay Thompson had well, Steph Curry at 31, Thompson 27. Um, on Curry shot 45% from the field and 37% from the three-point line and 100% from the free throw line. Thompson, uh, 38% from the field, so not great. 22% from the field from three-point line, so not very great for him. However, 90% from the free throw line, he had 27 points. But then you go to Durant. Durant had 40 points, so it looks great. But he shot 38% from the field, 27% from three-point percentage. However, 100% from free throw line. And then Westbrook, 39%, 37%, and 66%, and 31 per points. So I'm not going to break down each game, but that's kind of how I judged it. So when you add them all up in the total, at the end of the series, the combined Curry and Thompson shot 45% from the field, 49% from three-point range, and not 88% from free throw line. Whereas Durant and Westbrook combined shot 38% from the field, 26% from three-point range, and 84% from free throw. Curry and Thompson combined for 187 points comparative to Durant and Westbrook, 174 points. However, these numbers, let's just throw out these. Let's look at this. Curry and Thompson... Shot 60 for 133 for 45%. Durant and Westbrook shot 60 for 157 for 38%. So that's, say, that's saying that Curry and Thompson shot 24 less shots, but still scored 13 more points in the series. Talk about efficient. Curry and Thompson made 23 more three-point field goal attempts in three games than Durant and Westbrook. So that's huge, right? 23 threes. And they shot over 23% better in field goal percentage, 26% compared to 49%. So what do you guys think of these numbers? I mean, it clearly shows by the numbers when the backs are against the wall, Curry and Thompson well, well exceeded Durant and Westbrook. My immediate reaction to this is Curry and Thompson played so efficiently and still almost lost. They still almost lost this series Durant had them within four and at, in game seven. They were up in game seven in the second half. It's not like the Thunder were not, I mean, besides game two, the Thunder got beat by more than 10, by double digits. But anyway, in all these other games, they were close. It's not like the, the Thunder couldn't hang with these guys. And the efficiency was severely in, in the Warriors' favor. Severely, and I think some of the biggest compelling stories is that talk about efficient. Steph Curry averaged the most points in those three games combined, over 33 points a game, but he shot the least amount of shots out of any of those any of the four players. Compare compare Curry to Westbrook, right? That's the big comparison. Steph Curry shot 66 shots and had 98 points. Russell Westbrook shot 76 shots and had 78 points. So he had 20 less points. On 10 more field goal attempts. That's drastic in my opinion. That's a huge difference. Bobby, what do you think? What are your what's your take? You've been on Russell Westbrook like crazy. Um, yeah, I have. I've been kinda of, I've been kinda of riding the thunder. I predicted them to uh, take this series. Um, and I I think we're looking at one of the best basketball teams that's ever been put together here with these Golden State Warriors. I think with the with these stats, you are looking at uh, the last three games that the Warriors won all three of those games. Um, very, 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 very impressive what they were able to do. Their stars came out to play and obviously played very well. Um, and it looks like they kind of figured out uh, how to stop OKC during those games. And, and everyone knows if you're going to stop OKC, uh, you got to stop Durant and Westbrook. That's the, that's the key to their that, – that's what makes their engine run. Uh, they held them to inefficiency. Um, I would say, similar to my argument against Clay Thompson earlier, I would say that uh, basketball is not a two-on-two -two game. And in, when we're looking at these numbers of advanced efficiency, 
Durant and Westbrook are at a serious disadvantage of what they're able to do when you add in who else plays for the Warriors compared to who else plays for the Thunder. Like, if you... Everyone in the world knows that the Thunder have two players that are going to generate almost all of their offense, whereas the Warriors are like a jackknife of tools. They just continue to whip out tools. There's no one that you can't guard on the whole team. They're full of basketball geniuses, and that allows these guys to get a lot of one-on-one opportunities with less help defense than uh, than Durant and Westbrook get. You can, I would say you can argue that, but I still think the shots they were making – were still difficult shots, and they were still Thompson. Some of those threes he was making in Game Six were inc- were incredible. I would I would so not difficult. I would not take that away from them at all. So, but I wouldn't but I wouldn't say stacking up, um, stacking up Durant and Westbrook. Like I I I give uh, Warriors full respect for what they did. They came out from a, a three to one game deficit. Something only they're the tenth team to do it. Two hundred and thirty two teams have failed to do it in the past. So what they did is absolutely incredible. Curry, Thompson, uh, the rest of their team uh, dug deep and and did made one of the most improbable comebacks in the history of the playoffs. But I wouldn't say it's fair to Durant and Westbrook to stack up their efficiency numbers against Curry and Thompson's in only the three games that they lost, because if you look at if you look at them across the seven game series, the numbers aren't going to be quite as drastic. So, so it's kind of a uh, kind of an unfair comparison, in my opinion. Westbrook and Curry actually had very, very similar seven-game series. Believe it or not, when you when you do the stats for all seven, I mean, Curry. I would was, disagree with you. I don't know if I guess the top of my head, but I bet it's not that close. I have them pulled up right here. We have uh, Stephen Curry for the seven-game series averaged twenty-eight points. I want efficiency numbers, though. Field goal attempts from percentages. Well, I don't. I'm not an insider, Matt. Okay, yeah, but that's totally different. Russell Westbrook shoots 34 shots a game. That's not accurate. He shoots like 30, but still, he shoots 30 shots a game. But Curry uh, shoots 22. Curry shot 22. Uh, Westbrook shot 22 shots a game, and Curry shot 20. Exactly. Okay. So, so I mean, it, it it's just interesting to look at to look at the similarities in their numbers. Curry averaged 28 points a game. In comparison to Westbrook's uh, 26.7. Turnovers, Curry averaged 4. Westbrook averaged 4.4. Steals, uh, Curry averaged 2. Westbrook averaged 3.7. Assists, Curry averaged 6. Westbrook averaged 11.3. Rebounds, 6.3 for Curry compared to 7 for Westbrook. Um, in inefficiency is the number one area where Curry was more effective was with his three point shot. He had a, like 41% in comparison to Westbrook's 31% and 44% from the field in comparison to uh, 30, 39.5 from Westbrook. So in, in the grand scheme of the seven game series, you're looking at two guys that had an incredible series stats line up for it. It's like um, some of them, did better in other things than the other guys. Like, obviously, it looks like Westbrook was taking more risks with his bad shots, but also providing uh, more from a defensive end. As far as like averaging four steals a game is pretty ridiculous. But it kind of seems like it's going to go down in the history books. Like Westbrook was Westbrook let his team down, played poorly. Curry was a hero, uh, played incredibly. When over the course of the series, their statistics were pretty damn close. So. When this series was uh, was three one in the Thunder in the favor of the Thunder, I was so excited to bring up the argument that analytics can be wrong. The will of team, I mean, maybe the art of competitiveness can, like people can will their team to win, and it would go against analytics, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but unfortunately for this, the math won. Math one again. I mean, it stayed true because West. I mean, because uh, Thompson and Curry just. I think that's up. a great, great point, Thomas. However, I feel like for this series, Curry and Thompson's will is pretty incredible too. Like they were not that far like behind Westbrook's effort. Westbrook has the most effort of any NBA player in the league. 
Westbrook is I respect the hell out of the guy because he plays so hard. But Curry and Thompson are playing hard oh, as hell too. Okay, it wasn't like James Harden in my opinion. You don't have to just talk about them though. The role players for for the Thunder played Good point. amazing. Good point. Amazing for games three and four. And I hear what you're saying, Bobby, about yes, the team. I'm not gonna. There's no way you can argue that the role players, I guess if you want to call them that, on on the Warriors are not are like similar in any way to the Thunder because they're definitely better. But that being said, the Thunder. The Thunder's role players did play good enough to win. They played good enough to win. They were on fire. They're just not I as mean, good at basketball players. Right, but but it, totally I mean, different style. Like we're, yeah. we're talking. Like there's another All Star on the Warriors that we're not mentioning. Yeah. There's a Finals MVP on the Warriors that we haven't brought up. There's. Uh, but Draymond Green had one of the worst series in his life. Yeah, his, he played awful. Even in Game Seven, he played better. But he was not like eleven points. I believe. Yeah, he was eleven yeah. points. He's a really good defensively. But he was not an all-star. You don't look at the guys that, oh, that guy's for sure an all-star when you watch the series. At all, any point in the series. But he has been an all-star all season. He, he, he has that pedigree. If you're comparing Draymond Green to Andre Robertson, we're talking about a guy that is a little... Andre Robertson is not the third best player, so that doesn't make any sense. They're guarding each other. I mean... Compare him to Serge Ibaka. To Serge Ibaka, that's fine. He's we're talking about a guy before. that's a basketball genius that is like running, running things that... the. Role players on the Thunder are not capable of running. There's just they understand defense more. They understand swinging the ball more. They understand the off ball movement more. Like watching the Warriors run their offense is is so it's coming free, down to coaching. Is, is in beautiful. my opinion, what you're saying, their coaching is superior. You cannot their their coach is incredible, but they have basketball geniuses on the field. You can a coach can only do so much. We're talking low IQ players, Dion Waiters versus Andre Iguodala. <laughs> it's a it's a it's a different thing. We've got high IQ basketball players. Their third string center, Anderson Barajao, is one of the highest IQ centers in the entire league. Like it's they have they valued that in the players that they pick up, and they have it everywhere in spades. It's a good point. Yeah. So I'm gonna pose a quick question. To you two, just a quick answer for you guys. Russell Westbrook's numbers, each game from game five, six, and seven. His field goal percentage got worse in each category as the as the series went on. So my question to you is a quick answer. Top of your head, you watched his game with your own eyeballs. Did Russell Westbrook start choking towards the end, or was he tired, or what happened? Better defense? I think the Warriors figured out what was going on with the Thunder's role players and figured out how to shut them down, and Westbrook had to force more stuff and made more mistakes and took harder shots. To say Westbrook choked... I guess is to imply that there was he has like mental fatigue. I'm not gonna say that that happened to Westbrook. I'm gonna I'm, I agree with Bobby. I'm gonna give the Warriors the credit. They it was weird because earlier in the series we were like the Warriors uh, got figured out by the Thunder. The small lineup is just destroying them. They can't they can't do anything. The series is over. They know exactly how to beat these guys. And then it seemed like it flip flopped. And the Warriors just did exactly what they do to everyone. So that's why I think this is one of the best series in a long time because it was so unpredictable in a lot of sense. However, you still had that in the back of your mind that the Warriors are going to come back and win. This series had so much drama. It was amazing. And it's going to set up now for great, great, great time to transition to talking about the upcoming. NBA Finals because it's Let's who, go. Because whoever wins the Western Conference Championship, no matter how great that championship series is, is not the NBA champions. You have to win the Big Dance NBA Finals. The Big Dance. Whatever. Who's call, it going to be? Call it a basketball reference a little bit here. It's the it's it's showtime. It's it's big time. It's go it go time. It's go time. Whatever. Time. Yeah, it's it, this is it. This is it. This is the NBA Finals. We've got the two biggest superstars in the world going against each other. It's a rematch, a rematch from last year, but this time the Cleveland Cavaliers have what they said they needed to win it last year. They are fully healthy. There's not an injury on their team. They have their big three established. They're rolling, rolled through the Eastern Conference playoffs, and now they have to play the Warriors. They get it. They're getting everything they asked for. What do you guys see? Going, what do you guys see happening? I still give the advantage to the Warriors here, given that I mean Warriors have home court advantage. 
Um, they get the four home. They get four home games. The thing that makes this interesting, though, I think this series is how well Cleveland has been in these playoffs with their their prolific three point shooting. Unbelievable! They've been make, setting records in this playoffs because now LeBron just has so many shooters on this team. They, he can he can draw the defense and kick out, and I mean. It should be interesting. It should. I mean, it, it's going to be interesting if the Cavaliers can shoot their way to some victories here. I think this is one of the most fascinating NBA Finals we've had in many, many years. There's so many compelling stories from the star power to the role players to this is, like Thomas was saying, the number one and number two three-point shooting teams in the league battling each other. So now it's obviously tra- NBA's transitioning to jump shot league. We've already known this. But now this is proof, right? Number one and number two in the league playing in the NBA Finals. But I think the backhanded weirdness LeBron James has had towards Steph Curry this entire time, and all I feel like jealousy from LeBron James because Curry gets all the love and the Golden State Warriors get all the love when LeBron's been the best player in the league for the past, I don't know, seven years, you could argue, right? And so I feel like a little jealousy and the stars just clash. I feel like there's so much intrigue, and I am pumped. What do you think here, Bob? No, I don't. I don't think the Cavs. I I agree with you. I I think LeBron's been kind of uh, kind of bitter, kind of sour uh, towards Curry taking the MVP trophy two years in a row, taking the stardom, starting to take over the conversation of who's the best player in the league. I think LeBron has always kind of thought that he would have that for a while, and uh, no one else was going to come up on him. And now. Uh, if you pulled most people, I think they would probably say Curry is the best player in basketball right now, and he looks and he looks it. Uh, it's a great opportunity for LeBron, but also a great responsibility. Like, if he doesn't bring it, what excuse are you going to make this year? Are you going to say, uh, I, my, my team wasn't as good? You handpicked your roster. Are you going to say, my coach wasn't as good? You handpicked your coach. Like, like this is this is it for LeBron. He's got to come out there and win it. So, I want to I want to counter what you're saying right now because I think LeBron is in the perfect situation you could possibly be in as his NBA greatness, right? So I feel like if he loses a series, if they play well as a team and he plays well, but they still lose the series, they are not going to be criticized because they've run into the juggernaut. They've like you were saying, 73 wins. They set the NBA record for regular season wins. They were the juggernaut, like you were saying at the beginning of this podcast. They're the team of destiny. People thought they were going to win the NBA title the entire season. Mm-hmm. And now, but what happened here? Flip the script. LeBron comes out and beats this team of destiny. He gets this team. He wills this team to a victory. Now he is going to be on talk conversation after Mount Rushmore. It depends what which narrative we're going for with LeBron. Like if we're going for one of the best basketball players of all time, he's already then, at it, that then it's not important. He's at that narrative. It, this is what I'm saying. It doesn't matter if he wins or loses if we're going for one of the best basketball players of all time. But if you're chasing Michael Jordan right now, then he has to win. He's got to go out there. He can't keep losing the NBA Finals. So if he wants to be the best basketball player of all time, the best basketball player in the league, this is this is big-time series for him. If he's content being one of the best basketball players in the league, one of the best basketball players of all time, it doesn't matter. Yeah, play good, win a couple games. Lose to the juggernaut. That's the that's the Warriors, and have them be the have them be the champions. Six straight years, LeBron has represented the East in the finals. We have this whole decade. Think about it. This whole decade has been represented by LeBron James in the finals. Incredible. Yeah, I agree with you guys. Um, and. I I fully expect LeBron to play great. I mean, last year you could have made the case that he was the MVP of that series. He's a straight beast last year. Um, but I mean, it comes down to I think like every other series, what, how are they going to combat the switching on on defense? Like, can Channing Fry guard Curry and probably not? And that's what's going to keep happening. They need to think of what's going to happen. Like how how. I don't see any matchup that's going to allow this to work. It's 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 going to be tough for the Cavaliers because they're their great offensive juggernaut team uh, that they roll out there with uh, Kyrie Irving, J.R. Smith, LeBron James, Kevin Love, and Channing Fry is that 
extremely tough team to stop defensively because of who LeBron is and because of how great those other shooters are. But that team is not going to be able to defend the Warriors and their outside attack. You just have too many weak outside defenders. You're, like Kevin Love is a defensive liability. Kyrie Irving is a defensive liability. Channing Fry definitely cannot switch onto Tom, any of the Thompson. any of the Warriors yeah. guards. Tristan Thompson can't either. Uh, can't guard Draymond Green. Uh, so what? I mean, what what you're gonna have to do? Um, I'm would be surprised if we don't see a lot more Della Vadova, a lot more of Iman Shumpert, uh, Tristan Thompson, and then we're gonna see what these guys can produce offensively. While they're trying to slow down, it's it's a tough series. I don't know all the X's and O's and what and what they're gonna do, but I know I would be shocked if they are willing to roll the dice and say we will outshoot the Warriors, um, considering who the Warriors have defending them and and who they have defending the Warriors. So I I, I think they're gonna have to make some adjustments from what they've been doing so far to steamroll the playoffs. I think that Cleveland was honestly hoping that well. For a matchup perspective, maybe not Cleveland because of their egos, they want a Golden State. For a matchup, they match up way better with the Thunder because they could rebound against the Thunder having Tristan Thompson and Kevin Love in there. However, when you get that small ball, Kevin Love, is his worst part of his game of basketball is pick-and-roll defense, hands down. And now he's going to play against the arguably the best pick-and-roll offense they have in the league, right? And the best screening team in the league. And Tristan Thompson... Who is he going to guard? He, he's their best threat rebounding for Cleveland by far. But who is he going to guard when they go small? All these matchups are so interesting. And I think Tyron Lue, the coach of Cleveland, is really going to try to make a name for himself. Now, if he can develop a way to guard this team, you're not going to stop the Warriors. You're not going to do that. It's just You already know analytics, like we are saying, it's just not going to happen. However, you can slow them down and make it tough on them. Kind of like what the the Thunder did, I think they have a great chance in the series because unlike the Thunder, they have, like you guys were saying, tons of pieces. They don't have to just rely on one, and then they have LeBron James. So it's, it's the NBA playoffs. This is the way I see it going down. Any chance of the Cavs winning, they're going to they're gonna have to pull out a tough, tough, gritty win at least two games. I, I see them winning... Probably two games off of some a couple games their guys catch fire. J.R. Smith catches fire one game. Kyrie Irving, Kevin Love, the and and the Warriors don't shoot as hot in that hot as them, and they lose in a shootout once or twice for the like the Warriors lose once or twice in a shootout during the series. But there's going to have to be two games where these guys just win ugly. By by forcing it inside, forcing the Warriors into foul trouble, uh, playing extremely balls. physically, playing with loose balls, out hustling them, getting inside their head, trying to, and and I just playing with loose balls, just <laughs> playing with loose balls. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, go ahead, Bob. Well, that 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 that's my whole point, really. Is I just. Uh, what, what am I supposed to say to you, Matt? <laughs> that was funny. <laughs> yeah, they play with loose balls. They're going to win this game. Did I throw you three off your ball? Hopefully they have some compression shorts <laughs> <laughs> or something and their, their balls are nice and tight. Um, no, it's just I don't – I just don't see – I just it, it, it's a tough series for them because, because what I'm seeing is most likely – uh, the Warriors, it's tough to get in their head. They play as physic, they play physically about as well as anybody. Uh, they got some of the greatest performers in the game, and like I said, some of the some like overall, I can't think of a team that that is smarter than them. Like like they're they're up there with the smart with the uh, with the Spurs on their intelligence, but I but I would probably take the Warriors. Like they just have so many basketball geniuses on their team that move the ball, understand defense, understand what they're trying to do on offense, like can take Kerr's advice and go and do something with it on the court. It's just tough for the Cavs. So from what I observed in this Thunder series, they the Thunder were going on these explosions of offense when it was that small lineup. When it was Durant at the four, Ibaka at the five, and then Westbrook and two other guards, whether it be Foy or um, who else would be out there. Um, Robinson and and that's when they would go on these explosions with these smaller lineups. 
I'm trying to think of what smaller lineup can Cleveland have out there. So would it be Thompson at the five, LeBron four? I got you one right here. Uh, okay. That's exactly what I was saying. I I don't I haven't seen Cleveland do this lineup, but I think this is a great lineup. This might be a little too in depth for some of our listeners, but LeBron James, Kyrie Irving, Amon Shumpert, J.R. Smith, and Kevin Love. Whenever the Warriors go small, go small with this. The matchups for Kevin Love can guard Draymond Green and force him to shoot the threes. That's okay. You can sub Delva Dova for one of those guards, too. You could. You could shove him in for J.R. Smith or Shumpert. I think this is a great defensive lineup against a small ball. You got Mo Williams on the Cavs, too. They're an extremely talented team. They got they have a lot of possibilities. Mo Williams? Really? He can shoot. Is, is Mo Williams? He can shoot, but he can't defend any of these people. Yeah, I don't I don't. What are we talking about defending these people? Well, I, I, can I, anyone defend these people? Well, I just thought it was funny that Mo Williams is the person you talked about when he didn't really play at all this whole playoffs. Well, we're just saying they're deep. <laughs> they, are, they are deep. They got they got a valuable like Mo Williams has scored fifty points in an NBA game before. You you correct that? Yeah, that that guy. Um, I mean, I'm not saying they they for sure will use him, but that he's an NBA guard. He's a former All Star uh, who still still brings it to the basketball court. When when Kyrie Irving was injured earlier earlier this year, he was seeing good minutes and playing good time. If they need to go small, they can go small. That's all I was saying. Uh, let's wrap up this uh, this finals talk and get to a quick break. You guys got anything you want to ask? Let's get predictions. Let's get predictions right now. What do you got, Thomas? Warriors, six games. Bobby? I, uh, I'm, I'm not cool. I guess the Warriors in six games. I think it's going to be Warriors in seven. Ooh. Okay. As the Warriors fan, I'm the one predicting the longest series. I'm not watching any of these games with the Ram right now. <laughs> All right, guys. We'll, crazy we'll be sure. right back. Thank you. After some quick advertisements. I just want to take a moment here to uh, support one of our sponsors, Joy Lloyd Veterinary Services. Um, they're very proud to be serving the East Mountain and Albuquerque area for everything pet-related. Veterinary Clinic and Animal Hospital is run by Dr. Carol Lloyd, who is a licensed, experienced veterinarian, team committed to educating our clients on how to keep your pets healthy year-round with good nutrition and exercise. Joy Lloyd Veterinary Services stays on top of the latest advances in veterinarian technology and, above all, remembers that all animals and pets need to be treated with loving care in every checkup, procedure, or surgery. If you're interested in having your animal Checked out by Dr. Carol Lloyd. You can reach her at 505-286-2608. Say, hey, baby, que paso? I thought I was your only vato. Hey, baby, que paso? Please don't leave me de ese modo. And we are back on the Rangetown Riot with some hockey talk. It is... The Stanley Cup, and uh, we are in Game Two currently of the Stanley Cup. Penguins are up one to nothing in the third period. Penguins came away with victory in Game One as well. And poor hockey. I mean, they have had a phenomenal playoffs. All sorts of upsets, overtime games. It has been a magical postseason, and there's nothing this sport can do because. The NBA just dominates no matter what's going to happen. But Raymer here is going to break down this series a little bit more. All right. So, yeah, like Tom was saying, hockey never gets any love. And being from Albuquerque, New Mexico, I do not grow up with hockey at all in the Southwest. It's not very prominent in the Southwest at all. But I've always said this, that if I was in a big hockey city – I'll be a gigantic hockey fan. It's so fun to watch. It's really exciting. You're kind of on the edge of your seat a lot because there's constant action for 20 minutes. There's not many delays. It's There's hard hits. It's a lot of things you think American sports would really like. It's just, it's very regional. And breaking down this series, you had the San Jose Sharks versus the Pittsburgh Penguins where the San Jose Sharks were not a dominant team in the regular season at all, all season. They actually finished sixth in the Western Conference standings and really came out of nowhere to make the Stanley Cup Finals. And it's kind of shows that there's actually a lot of parity in hockey. Whereas you go into Pittsburgh, 
Pittsburgh is like that supreme power that we've known about for years because they have arguably the best player in the NHL and Sidney Crosby. They have Agani Mulkin, who is a great player as well, and they've always been in contention. So it's kind of like you have this really big market, hockey town, big-time team in Pittsburgh versus San Jose Sharks who kind of came out of nowhere, and you're in California. Like, you don't think of hockey, and they're being overshadowed by the Golden State Warriors, San Jose to Oakland. They're really close proximity. So it's really compelling. However, if you're not in a region, you just don't see the hockey love. You know what? Um, I feel something like deep inside my veins telling me, Bobby, you got to get into hockey. You know, like it's exactly like, what I've been saying. Yeah, Bob. like my my ancestors uh, come from cold regions. My parents they come from uh, Michigan, where all you do all winter time is go skate on those frozen lakes and play hockey with your buddies. You know, and then me not being able to skate at all, I've never really taken interest in it. But then the other day I'm watching uh, game one. And it's down to the wire. And San Jose pulls out their goalie trying to get a goal in the last two minutes. And Why then, Pittsburgh's on the power play? It's it just, six on four. Yeah, just so, so exciting. And I'm, th- and I'm, I'm out of my seat looking at this like, oh, my gosh, this is so cool. Why do I like basketball more than this? Why do I know more about basketball than I do about hockey? And I just feel like uh, – Maybe, maybe the tides are changing. I got I made some friends recently that are big time into hockey. Maybe I'll give them a call and have them explain to me who the big stars are. Start playing some NHL on on PlayStation, and next season I'll be big into this because it's it's the thing. It's get into some deal. fantasy hockey, and then you'll start knowing every player. Fantasy sports get you to know players if you don't know any other sport. Anything yeah, about the sport? I know this, every running back on every team. This playoffs is so unpredictable. Like Raymer said, San Jose was a six. six seed, and we had a very historical team in the NHL this year with the Washington Capitals. I mean, the Washington Capitals were far and away one of the best teams in the regular season in NHL history. Like, some people were trying to make the comparison, the Caps are as good at hockey as the Warriors are at basketball. Like, that's how, like, dominant this team was this regular season, and... And it's just not like the same. same and they thing. got knocked out by yeah. Pittsburgh. Yeah. And it's just, you talk to that team, they have Ovechkin, arguably one of the biggest stars and the crazy guy for Washington Capitals. And they're known for choking. And so they didn't make it. So this goes back to our parody where it seems like hockey could be more popular throughout the nation because parody, right? People always talk about parody. The NFL always wants more parody. The NBA always wants more parody. I have noticed people speaking about parody. Recently. That is like a freaking keyword all over the damn place. Yeah. Parody, parody, parody. But NHL might have the most parody of any sport of our major sports um, uh, teams or team, that's for sports franchises or leagues in the United States of America. So why can't NHL pass that barrier of regional popularity? I'll tell you why. It's because of these damn playoff beards. These players are not marketable in the NHL. They all look the same. They all have the same facial hair. No one knows who's who. And I got to disagree with you, Thomas. I think the beard is in. The ladies love the beard. Yeah, but do you know who's who? They all have the beard. They all look the exact same. This is coming from all three of us have beards, for those that are listening. Yeah, but we're not wearing helmets. NFL's most popular sport in the world, or the United States, and they all wear helmets. But we have different races in that. <laughs> it, are, do, do a lot of hockey players, are they still missing most of their teeth? Is that still like an accurate? I think they have fake teeth. It's pretty modern society now. Well, so we had, we had Pittsburgh play Washington, correct? Yes. Crosby and Ovechkin is one of the biggest rivalries in hockey. In, yes, in hockey. Yeah, maybe, maybe Crosby always gets the better of it. Okay, maybe is the biggest rivalry. Arguably. It's up there. Anyway, and who knew about it? I mean, I knew about it because I like sports, but yeah. also another one is you had is you had the St. Louis Blues playing the Chicago Blackhawks. That is regionally, they're really close to each other, St. Louis, Chicago, right. two really good teams. Blues haven't made the Stanley Cup since 1970. Yeah, and the Blues beat the Blackhawks. It was a huge deal in that region. Now, I've, I feel like we've been kind of ripping on, on hockey a little bit, like, like saying people don't care about it. I've actually noticed a lot of people do care about it. Like in my bar – 
I get about half the people want to talk basketball, maybe a little more than half, and then maybe half the people want to talk hockey. Wow, and this is in Albuquerque. Yeah, in Albuquerque. Like, I, I think it is on the rise. The beard is on the rise. Hockey is on the rise. I think we're going to see growth in the NHL within the next few years. Beard growth? All types of growth. Growth in popularity, growth in uh, players' beards. And pretty soon they'll go from playoff beards to entire season beards. There you go. So I got for hockey, I got to share the story that me and Thomas have. So we were in San Diego, California, just out there for a wedding. And we were just cruising around, surfing a couple days before the wedding. And we stopped into this uh, local place to get some food and some beers. And it was freaking packed. And we are like, what the hell is going on? And this was in the beginning of June. It was the same time frame. And... Everyone's sure. wearing Blackhawks jerseys. Everybody, single person's wearing a Blackhawks jersey. And we've come to find out in San Diego, right on Pacific Beach, at the beach, there is a Chicago bar. And this bar is big. This is not a small bar by any means. We're talking oh, well over 100 people, maybe 200 people in this bar. And they have an intercom system. And it's so packed that me and Thomas have to stand in the corner on this little table, shoulder to shoulder, standing. And it was the coolest sports environment I've been in in a really long time because every single play the entire crowd was so into it women uh, men everybody and every single time the Blackhawks scored a goal the owner of the bar went crazy on the, on the microphone like you hear a soccer goal or something like that and he passed around shots he walked around the bottle of rubble mints with a straw in it and we got to take a drink out of it it was awesome it sounds way cooler than Albuquerque it was literally if we had that type of environment in Albuquerque for any sports franchise of a team, I don't care what sport, cricket even, I'm going to be a big fan. Agreed, agreed. So upcoming this Saturday, I mean, we've got a game in the midst right now. Uh, Pittsburgh is still up one nothing. This Saturday, game three will be in San Jose. Uh, game four in San Jose on Monday. And I'm, I'm excited to watch these games. I agree. And one, one last thing on this is one big problem that has happened for the NHL and their ratings this Stanley Cup is a lot of them have been in the exact same time the Warriors game's on. They've been on the same time. And I'm not going to lie. I watched the Warriors game. However, I knew I always wanted to flip back and just check the score, but I couldn't watch it. So I think now that the finals is moving to Thursday and this game's tonight, that they're going to be different times, and I think they'll get better ratings. Doesn't it seem kind of stupid for the NHL to be directly competing with the NBA Finals? Because a month from now, there is literally nothing except for baseball. The NHL is facing a lot of criticism with this, but I talked to an avid hockey fan the other day, and he was like, what are you supposed to do? How long do we want this season to go on? I mean, it's just it's been going couldn't on. you just push it's the start going, back a little bit it's later? It's been going on since October. Um, it is a long season for a very physical sport. It, yeah, but but I'm not I'm not saying you have to extend the season a whole other month. I'm saying why don't you push the season back one month instead of starting in October? It could start in December. I think that's a gr- would be a great move for NHL. This is why I've I've got the wrong job in sports. I shouldn't be here on the radio. Talking about sports that I don't really know that much about, I should be higher up. You've never Maybe in your life before tonight said you want to be an NHL commissioner. I think I'd be great at it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to talk to some hockey people and see why that re- why it's not that cut and dry. There's got to be something. We'll have more next on week, that story next later. Next week on the podcast, we'll, we'll catch up on that story. Sounds good. Sounds good. Um, After this, we will be back with our Rapid Riots. We're going to have a quick word from our sponsors. Shout out to one of our sponsors, A&J's Barbecue. Arguably the number one food truck in Albuquerque. Their barbecue platter is fantastic. Their combination, so good. You got to get on this. And a quick shout out on their number. It's 505-515-6317. And the weekly schedule is on Wednesdays. They're at the Talon Supermarket where all the food trucks go and set up at lunchtime. So you can go and check it out there. Thursdays, uh, they're at the launch pad because they have a lot of concerts going on then. Fridays, outside of Tractor Brewery, which does not sell food. So go grab some beer, grab some barbecue. Perfect combination. And then Saturday, they're on Central and Unser for lunchtime and at the launch pad for dinner. 
So, quick shout out again to AJ's Barbecue, arguably number one food truck in Albuquerque. Awesome food. And the number one more time is 505-515-6317. All right, it's that portion of the show again. Here we go. Our rapid riots. We've got some hot takes on some current sports action. We're going to try to get through this uh, quickly and precisely and accurately giving you the hottest takes in sports today. Here we are with, with Thomas Mayfield and his rapid riot. Huge sports topic here. I'm going to start with my dream from last night. I rarely remember my dreams, but last night I was in my parents' living room with my dad and my sister. We're looking outside. We see a giant orangutan in our front yard. I decide to go out there, perform some athletic feats with the uh, giant primate and ended up really getting scared and went and struggled to get away and that's when I woke up. Anyway, that reminds me of a current story in the news with um, this gorilla in the Cincinnati news and in the Cincinnati Zoo that was killed recently after a young four-year-old boy fell into, um, into the cage and is um, caused a lot of controversy the boy was trying to get out of he was the trying cage. trying to get into the cage. Get into the cage. Um, yeah, so, I mean, crazy stuff in Cincinnati. Crazy stuff right now um, in Batesman, Batesman's Bay, Australia, where it has the highest batting percentage in the world. And that is literally bats. That city has 100,000 bats um, with three-foot wingspans. These are giant bats just flying around the city causing people to stay indoors. Um, no one can come out outside right now. These bats have totally taken over the city. They look Three like, foot wings? Yeah, they, look, they, they look ridiculous. They, sound, they look like flying foxes. They're outnumbering the humans 10 to 1. They're, yeah. And, um, <laughs> Is that true? Yeah. They're Holy outnumbering shit. the humans 10 to 1. And to end the uh, news, um, my news section here, is that just be cautious. It is summertime, a lot more rainfall. Zika virus is now in the U.S. First case of it was found in New Jersey. Thanks for those hot takes, Thomas. All right, on to Matt Raymer with his rapid riot of the week. All right, rapid, 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 rapid riot. All right, so my rapid riot here is going to be for ESPN had an article about the world fame 100. So what happened here is that a bunch of sports analytics were devised a formula that combined salary and endorsements with social media following and Google search popularity to predict the 100 most popular sports athletes in the world. So not just the United States, the world. And not surprisingly at all, the number one is Cristiano Ronaldo. He is an absolute incredible icon around the world. It's, it's so polarizing. But my take is here is that four out of the ten are soccer players. And I feel like to a casual sports fan in the United States, they would be surprised by that. However, soccer is by far the most popular sport there is in the world. And it's not surprising me at all. So you have lining up the rest of soccer. You have Lionel Messi, three, number three. Neymar, four. And James Rodriguez, nine. Thomas. Whatever. And then number two is LeBron James. So you have basketball, LeBron James is the second most popular athlete in the world. So that actually surprised me. It's a little higher than I anticipated. And then Roger Federer is five, a tennis player, which wow. he's not even in his prime anymore, and he's still five. And Kevin Durant is six. Hmm. Really surprising. He doesn't even, he's not very polarizing in a lot of ways because he's not very flamboyant, I guess. And then Tiger Woods is still seven. He is still so much higher than all the other golfers. Wow. And he hasn't been playing. So it's pretty incredible. Then you have a cricket player and Rafael Nadal wrapping out the top 10. So in hindsight, you have four soccer. Or not hindsight, but to wrap it up, you have four soccer, two basketball, two tennis, one golf, and one cricket. No Curry and the two best tennis players in the world are not in there. Correct. You have Nadal and Federer. Not Djokovic or Murray. And... It, as we're in the United States, NFL is by far the most popular sport there is, mm -hmm. and not one NFL player. So I think that is very, very interesting. And the first NFL player is Cam Newton, 
And he's all the way down wow. to number 32. 32. 32. Newman's the most popular NFL player in the world, according to these analytics and all this. And I find that really fascinating. I guess the rest of the world doesn't see the beauty in American football. It's bullshit. Here we go. Here's my rapid riot. We have a tremendous amount of controversy going on in Waco, Texas at Baylor University as there have been numerous sexual assault charges uh, coming out, many this year. Uh, the coach has been forced to resign, Art Bryles. Uh, seven players that are, on, that are trying to commit to their football team have, been at, have asked the, the school to decommit them from their letters of intent. Uh, it seems like they've had a culture of trying to sweep these type of controversies under the rug and taking in players that they know have character issues in order to maximize uh, the a level of talent that they can get on their roster. And it just seems to me like in this day and age, that, st- that type of shit is not going to fly anymore. You cannot – we are reaching an age of accountability in sports, and we are looking for high-character athletes. We will not – allow men that are disrespecting women, acting violently towards women, acting violently towards anyone. It is no longer acceptable. And this type of behavior that may have allowed dynasties to build themselves years ago will no longer be accepted in the future as we, as it is easier for for uh, victims to come forward and easier for harder to control uh, news outlets and what, and the stories that they're publishing. Yeah, this is a huge story, right? You're talking about more sexual assault, which the NFL just dealt with with Ray Rice, and it's happening all over sports now, which is great. We're, we need to shine the light on this. And Baylor University has had numerous scandals, and Outside the Lines completely had like five different episodes to really dig in and investigate the problems that are happening there. And it's forced Art Bryles, who is in his third year of his 10-year, $60 million contract to resign. So he's losing out on $48 million because of this controversy. And Art Browse is the, by far, hands down, not even close, the best head coach Baylor University has had in their program history. He recruited RG3. RG3 is the first Heisman Trophy winner in Baylor history. He has brought them to 11-win seasons multiple years, never been done, and he's brought them to multiple consecutive big-time bowls. They've taken that program to a national powerhouse, and now this head coach is being forced to resign. Their athletic director is forced to resign, and today Ken Starr, the Baylor chancellor, is forced to resign. So I think this is clearly demonstrating that these types of issues, because in my opinion, social media is taking over, and it's but more transparent now. Very much so. That you're able to shed a lot of light on these, and it's forced a lot of pressure, and these... Hopefully these issues will evolve and they'll stop happening. Well, it seems to me like we can no longer take these young men that are extremely physically talented and only teach them about uh, three-point stance and about uh, how to fill a gap or, or some, some other like whatever, whatever we need them to do on the football field. We also need to be developing these young boys as gentlemen and as scholars and as leaders in the community. Um, Sean Oakman cannot be getting millions of followers on Twitter on Twitter because of his uh, tremendous athletic abilities and then uh, and not be having coaching on on how he needs to uh, represent his community, represent his school, represent his it's it's scary to me. I feel like Baylor University may have been even promoting a culture of violence or at least there was a culture of violence that they weren't trying to fight they were trying to pretend that it wasn't there they're trying to conceal it and it sounds to me like they've been under so much pressure that now the most important thing to their school is going to be to change that culture and change their identity than it is going to be to win football games and i feel like they're headed in the right direction if that's the case like uh, more important to build a staff to build young men and with high moral and character than it is to uh, win a bowl game, in my opinion. All right, Bob, I like it. That was a little longer, rapid right there, but it is a deserving issue that needs a lot of attention, and getting this transparency out there is good, and uh, it's good for the sports in general. So that wraps up another episode of Rangetown Riot. Uh, thank you guys for listening, and we'll be right we'll be right back here to give you another episode next week.